Welcome to episode two of the Rescue Swimmer Mindset Podcast. I'm Cody Wright. The title of today's episode is How to Work Out Like a Coast Guard Helicopter Rescue Swimmer. Specifically, I'm going to be talking about how I worked out leading up to swimmer school and how I think you would benefit from shaping your training and workouts from to optimize your performance at school. And today I'm going to be talking entirely about strength and conditioning. I'm going to be leading out, leaving out any of the mental training. Generally, when I write my training for students, I put a high emphasis on developing overall endurance and maintaining or working up to a high calisthenic volume. When I say overall endurance, I'm talking about your swim and running. Um, swimming can be the highest volume because it's the least impactful on your body and it's the most important if you're training for rescue swimmer school. Running volume is, I would say you should keep it at more of a moderate volume for running. So that could be pretty subjective depending on what your background is in running. If you're coming from a cross country team in high school, you might think 40 to 50 miles is moderate. Um, if you're coming from no running background or very low, low mileage, you're going to think probably 10 to 20 is, is moderate volume. And I think depending on your fitness level and where your strengths and weaknesses are, you can probably find some balance in between, in between the two. You definitely don't need to be running 40 to 50 miles per week. I would say 20 would be a good average. Um, I probably got by on 15 to 20 per week training for school. And we'll kind of get into why it varies and what you would likely benefit from a little later in the, in the episode. With calisthenic volume, you definitely want to be doing a lot of, it's really about increasing your push-ups, pull-ups, chin-ups, sit-ups, flutter kicks, all those numbers to a close to an optimal level for, for you. And the best way to get better at push-ups, pull-ups, and chin-ups is to just do them a lot. There are some caveats, and I think mixing in strength training in the weight room does help, but it mainly helps when you're, if you're coming from a background where you need to build a little bit of muscle or you're plateauing on a specific exercise, you can mix in some weight training to help you kind of reach that next level. Just like with running and swimming, your background is going to be a huge indicator as to how much time you should be spending in the pool. So if you're coming from a primarily bodybuilding background where you spend a ton of time in the weight room and not so much time running and swimming, you can probably get by working out or weightlifting one day per week or one to two days per two weeks. And if you're coming from the other end of the spectrum, that cross-country background, initially you might want to be spending two to three days per week weight training just to build a little bit of muscle mass. And I really harp on the calisthenics, the high running and swimming volume, and the low, relatively low weight training, because a higher muscle, muscle mass than your body's optimized for means you're going to have to work harder while running and swimming. And working harder, and when I say working harder, I mean your body's going to need more oxygen delivered to those muscles. So when you're running or swimming, say you're swimming a 500, it means you're more likely to cramp up than someone who is a smaller frame or has less muscle mass on their body. It also means you're more likely to sink or you're, you're going to sink. Your muscles are, are dense. So it's going to require more work to keep your body afloat. So this becomes really important 
when you're buddy towing a survivor or when you're doing a lot of treading. So we do a lot of treading with, with like 10 pound dive bricks. And if you tend to sink and you're holding a 10 pound dive brick, it's going to become that much harder. And if you're a larger frame person, you're hearing this, I wouldn't worry too much. There's a ton of swimmers out there and Navy SEALs out there who would consider themselves bodybuilders and have huge muscles and they do just fine. I just think when it comes to getting through your given school, optimizing your muscle mass per your body is ideal. Regardless of your athletic background, the most important thing to train while getting ready for these elite military trainings is development of your cardiovascular system, specifically your aerobic system. This would give your body the ability to do more with the oxygen it receives. And the best way to kind of break this training down is through something called heart rate training or zone training. So I'm going to go through, there's five zones. I'm going to go through each one and then we'll break down a few more concepts and I can kind of start to layer those together to give you a good picture of how you should be working out. So the first zone, zone one, would be light and easy training. Um, if this was a run, it'd be a two to three mile jog at a conversational pace. And this is the kind of training you should be able to do for, for hours on end. So if you're, if you're swimming at a zone one heart rate or zone run scale, you should be able to swim like at that rate for, for hours on end without stopping. Zone two or a moderate effort is a workout that you should be able to perform 30 to 60 minutes with little rest. So this would be a 1500 to 2000 meter swim, maybe at 80% effort. It's going to feel like a workout, but at the same time, you should be able to get out of the water and rest for a few minutes and be able to hop back in and do the same thing over again. Zone three training would be moderate or medium to, to easy hard. And this would be best described as a workout that's challenging to a point where it seems where it's doable and fun and it never gets to the point where it feels hard or like you won't be able to complete it. And this would be maybe a 500 meter swim at 90% effort. Zone four training is when you start to break out of your aerobic system and start to use more anaerobic train, more at your, of your anaerobic system or your, you start to burn glucose. And this is gonna be a max sustained effort for maybe one minute to, anywhere from one minute to eight minutes and depending on the exercise. So this might be a 400 meter sprint around the track where you're going close to max effort or around 95% effort. And zone five training is considered unsustainable or exhaustive. So this would be an all out sprint, all out 100 meter sprint or an all out 400 meter sprint and this is the hardest you can push yourself for the, for the given exercise. And this is definitely an exercise where on, during the sprint, you're going to feel that, that lactate buildup or that burning sensation in your legs or arms, depending on the exercise. And these zones are all correlated to a, a heart rate zone or a, a percentage-based It's a percentage a percentage based system based on your max heart rate. However, I tend to just use it as a, a perceived effort scale. So like the light, easy effort to the, the medium hard effort. 
the bulk of your training needs to be in zones one through three. And again, this varies a little bit depending on your background, but on average, most students should be, should be here. And these zones one through three do a lot of great things for your body. It increases your blood volume, your mitochondrial mass, your capillary density, and your bone density. So specifically for running, you're, when you're running in zones one through three, which is a relatively light load on your body, your bones are actually getting denser and that's gonna decrease your risk of injury later on. So specifically shin, shin splints and the likelihood of a stress fracture in your leg or in any of your bones from running. As you get up into zones four and five, you're mainly working on increase, specifically zone five. What you're doing is you're increasing your body's strength or your leg strength if you're doing a, a sprint workout. But this isn't doing a lot for developing your, your body's overall system and increasing its ability to, to do work over a long period of time. It's just increasing your strength. An example of a zone three workout would be three to four mile run at 80 to 85% effort. And this, is, this means basically that you should be able to do the workout. It should feel challenging. It'll get your heart rate up, but you should be able to, to rest for an hour or two after and be able to go out and complete the same workout at the same pace. Uh, a zone five workout is gonna be much more challenging and you won't be able to complete it back to back. So it's gonna be something like eight by 400 meter track repeats with one minute to one minute, 30 seconds rest. And this is at max effort. So you're gonna be feeling that, that burning sensation in your legs during the run. And this is the kind of workout you're gonna likely feel sore from for a couple days after. So now that we've covered heart rate zones or perceived effort zones, I wanna add one more layer of complexity onto this. So this is capacity versus utilization training. So capacity training is training that has the overall goal of improving your long-term performance potential. And this is generally done in a, in a base training period or the initial training period. Utilization training is training that improves the near-term performance results of an athlete. So utilization for, versus capacity training would be, utiliza utilization training would be training for a specific test in rescue swimmer school that requires specific skill sets. So if, I'm not gonna get into the details of a test, but you might learn a skill required to pass a certain test, and this would be getting in the pool and practicing the skill you've learned. You already have a base capacity or base fitness level. Now you're adding on top of this with utilization training that's gonna add the, the key skills that you need. But utilization training isn't something you're gonna be doing early on in your training period. Uh, you might not do any of it before you get to rescue summer school. Hey, just wanted to pause real quick and let you know that if you're interested in this sort of psychological training and kind of the mental aspect of training for elite military schools, you can check out a book I wrote called The Rescue Swimmer Mindset, Unlocking the Psychological Edge of the Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer. And I really dive deep into what I talk about here and really all the tactics and lessons I learned. And I go through a bunch of stories that that I experienced in rescue swimmer school, kind of breaking everything down. If you're interested in the PT and physical side, I also 
run a few training programs through my website, rsmguide.com. And if you can go on there, check out the training and just feel free to send me a DM through Instagram or email at rsmguide at gmail.com. If you have any questions or just kind of random thoughts from the episode. All right, back to it. Capacity training is going to take up roughly 90, 95% of your training time. And before heading off to your school, we want to have some sort of utilization training. And I'm going to define it now as any training that requires a degree of familiarity or confidence. So for example, the buddy brick drill, you would not want your first time doing the buddy brick drill to be day four or five of rescue summer school. It's going to feel extremely hard and, and foreign to you. And it might increase the likelihood that you quit or it just might bring an undue or unneeded light brought on you from the instructors. So you definitely want to spend some time practicing this drill before going to summer school. However, a very low percentage of your time should be spent doing a drill like this because you can develop your lung capacity in, in better ways that don't involve doing a drill like the buddy brick, but it is necessary to do at some point. So if you're training for buds or rescue swimmer school, you're gonna need a high degree of water confidence and you wanna build this up slowly. So doing a buddy brick is not the best way to, to do this. So you're gonna to wanna to be doing underwater laps, half and halves and, and brick treads to build up that, that capacity and slowly build your lung capacity. And this is because injury mitigation is essential. Next to failing a test or straight up quitting, injuries are a very likely reason for someone to, to not make it to the end of school. And these injuries a lot of times come from overtraining and it'll manifest itself in the form of shoulder, elbow, or shin problems. And shin issues typically come, typically come from increasing your running volume too quickly. And this is an easy thing to mitigate if you're training with a smart structured program. And a, a smart program means you should feel your overall fitness level rising progressively, and you should feel an overall increase in your energy and strength over time. If you're feeling drained from week to week or as a week progresses, this typically means you're training too hard. And this will this will hurt you later on. There are some exceptions. So some areas or some weeks you might have planned to be a hard phase of training and you would have a structured rest period or light volume period the week after to, to let your body recover and reset. And if you don't really structure the program in a smart way, you're going to risk injury for sure. And you're likely going to plateau in your strength and your, your cardiovascular abilities. So what I'm about to say right now may seem a little counterintuitive, but I think it's really important to, to hammer down on you right now that undertraining is always preferred to overtraining in terms of strength and conditioning. Because overtraining means you have already reached your peak performance or plateaued. And if you're overtrained going into your summer school, you risk injury and you risk a decrease in your performance. If you're undertrained, you have a lower probability of injury and you will likely be able to increase your, your performance slowly as you get into school. And 
towards the end of school when you need your, your optimal fitness level. You're not going to feel slow or drained when you need it the most about halfway through school. So what you're really doing when you're designing and working through a training program is slowly building your baseline fitness level incrementally until you get to your designated training date. And with that said, I'm going to end the episode and we'll pick up next week with, with episode three.